as a community, we look at the word trauma as one of those uh, hush hush words. Come in fall 2023. It's a stigma around that word. Like nobody wants to be labeled or be classified under that. Angela Marie Publishing proudly presents. If you look at it, trauma is merely just being exposed or voluntarily or involuntarily to a situation um, that changes your outlook. Sit in your shit. A 30-day guided journal for processing a crisis. You have become accustomed and immune to your own shit. Written by Miss Devin Elise. Certified life coach and founder of Lifted KC. Because mental health doesn't care where you are, what you're doing, who you are, it's gonna kick in when it wanna kick in. Fall 2023, sit in your shit. When it finds its place to trigger you, boom, you're triggered. If you don't deal with the trauma, you're gonna constantly be triggered. The highly anticipated guided journal from Kansas City's own, Devin Elise. And one of the things that I'm learning in my associates with this healing is to be aware and to sit in my shoes. For more information, visit AngelaMariePublishing.com. When I feel something, I sit there and figure it out. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling? Because when I can identify it, I, the next go round, I can prevent it before. Sit in your shit. Pre-orders available now. people. I see Miss Devin just hopped on the mic. What's going on with you, Wig? Hey, so, chill like a village. Relaxing. Yeah, man. Boy, I've been all over the place. What's going on, brother Marcus? I don't know if you can hear us. Or if you're in a uh, position where you can talk, but appreciate you for joining. 
I see Brother Rothel down there. What's going on, bro? You can join the mic. Join the stage, man. We about to kick this little conversation off. All right, Brother Henderson. How are we doing there? Hey, what's going on with you, Brother Marcus? All right, doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Hey, Marcus, the pastor. <laughs> what's up, fam? How are we doing there? <laughs> hey, how you doing, fam? Hey, life, life is good. Thanks for asking that. How are you doing? Man, there, another day in paradise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, man, I appreciate everybody for joining. Um, it's about six o'clock, man. So we we gonna kick this thing off. Uh, you know, everybody, welcome, welcome to join. Uh, welcome to unpacking for episode seven of the Blacked Out Couch podcast. Uh, our last episode uh, last Thursday, uh, we touched on the brothers panel touched on how do our boys become men. Uh, so it was a real interesting dialogue, really good conversation. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, I think it is in the pinned link. Uh, but you can follow us on YouTube and Spotify and all of your podcast platforms. Um, you know, how's everybody doing tonight? Man, I'm ready. I know I, I know it's probably gonna be a nice conversation tonight. So I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. All right, all right. Did you check out the episode? Probably not. Man, not. And yeah, it's all good, man. So listen, man, the episode was pretty, pretty cool, man. Um, you know, it was actually an extension. Uh, I believe it was it's sort of an extended conversation from the episode that we had prior to that uh, on broken homes and generational curses. So, um, you know, I want to kick off tonight, man, with, with kind of um, a theme that we brought up in this last episode uh, one of the first questions that we asked, we were actually, uh, you know, it was a conversation amongst men. So uh, I asked the brothers to to talk about some failures, uh, either personal or common failures as a black man that they might want to see done differently with the next generation. Um, one of the brothers, and I wanted to make sure that I brought this up tonight on Unpacking. So one of the brothers answered that question, and I'll pose that question to the room as well, but I did want to kick it off with the icebreaker of, of what happened in the episode. One of the brothers answered that question and he said, use of the N-word, the word nigga. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll step back, get some feedback and commentary if y'all want to comment on that. Uh, or if you got uh, another another talk, talking point that you want to bring up in regards to that question, go right ahead. Uh, but my brother uh, brought up the, the N-word and the use of it in our community. So I did want to see what anybody thought about that. Man, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it on in on the first go on this one. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't stop saying the word. Uh, I think it's it's you know. I mean, it's it's it. It's it ain't like the B word or the P word or, you know, MF and all that. You know, it's not it's not one of those situations where, you know what I mean? It's a racial thing amongst the black community. You know, what I mean, it's not a racial thing. It is just something that we grew up now as black men and grown men, black men, now that we have, I guess you could say, an education more, 
and understanding more. Uh, it's still, you know, considered of an in term of endearment. You know, it, it, like right now, I'm considered a Christian. You see what I'm saying? But they were first called Christians in Antioch, which is a derogatory term. So Peter told us in the Bible to not be shamed to be called Christian. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it is something that may have started out as a negative thing, but it now it's a term of endearment. And you really, I mean, can you really stamp that out? I don't think so. Well, we appreciate that, Mr. Wig. For that, for that, for that uh, commentary. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Because this is the brothers' edition. First off, hey everybody, this is uh, Devin. I wanted to let a man answer that first. So, but I want to compliment um, the last speaker because those are my thoughts exactly. Uh, I listened to the episode with the brothers Thursday last Thursday, and I I disagree wholeheartedly just because I feel like there were a lot of things meant to break us back then. And I think that word is one of the ways that we culturize ourselves. I think of course, just like any other word, we can use it in a derogatory manner, but for the most part, it is a sense of, in, of endearment. It is like how we greet one another um, based on understanding of where we come from, where we're going, where we've been, all of that. So when he said it, I was like, oh, I might have to disagree because when I hear it, I don't hear negativity. I mean, of, of course, you know, tone and everything plays a part, but for the most part, the people that I'm surrounded around is love, is family. So when it's said, it's just like another word in our vocabulary. So it's something unique for us. So I agree with the last speaker. Right on, right on. Appreciate that, Miss Devin. How you doing tonight? I am good. Uh, you have an echo too, but um, I'm good. I am excited for everything coming and uh, yeah. Right on. Let me see if I can fix my echo. Did anybody else want to chime in on that? The N word, the use of the N word in our community. See, Brother Bird just joined us. So I would like to. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Marcus Freeman. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like one of the, I guess, taking the authority out of the, taking the authority out, the power out of what was meant for negative uh, or whatever, you know, just, just kind of flipping it, if you will. Uh, and we see that happen all of the time. Uh, the more that something is used to kind of take away from the intended purpose of it. Uh, and hopefully this makes sense. Um, but kind of like the, when you have uh, terms like uh, Black Lives Matter, and then you see everything else that has such and such matters and such and such matter, all life matter and all of this. Well, the the use of those, uh, that catchphrase, if you will, for lack of better words, when you have it used a lot more often now, it kind of like usurps the authority or the power provided on that or that intentional um, use of that word. And I hope that makes sense. And I think that's what's happened now with that particular word. Uh, also with the like the, um, the female dog 
the term that used to be used as a negative. Now you have uh, women, females, that are using that term to describe themselves. And so it's kind of like, although it may have been intentionally used as derogatory, they've taken that um, that power away from it, if that makes sense, and kind of just switch it. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Did anybody else want to chime in? We're talking about the uh, the use of the word nigga in our community uh, that was brought up uh, during our episode, episode seven. And, uh, you know, just to give a recap for the brothers, the people that just joined the room, uh, we were talking about some of the failures, either common or personal, uh, as a black man that we might want to see differently in, in the next generation. And uh, somebody brought up use of the N-word. So th if anybody else want to chime in on that and how they feel about that. Ms. Tanisha says she ain't got no comment because she got kids. <laughs> Okay, well, listen. If if, if nobody else can chime in, I, I I'll go ahead and and uh give give my two cents. Um, I do agree with every 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 one of the commenters so far. Um, you know, it was a derogatory word. It's something that our culture has has sort of taken the the, the power and the control back. Um, as a term of endearment. Um, the same thing with the use of the B word, like Brother Marcus mentioned. Um, I do agree with that. Um, one of, one of the, uh, angles that I will ask for, for, for feedback on is, uh, sort of how it's, it's been, um, it's been gentrified, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, where, you know, we have taken these words as terms of endearment and, uh, now it's, it's being overused, you know, outside of our community in a lot of different spaces, um, you know, in the entertainment world, some of the other cultures, you know, because of the popularity of, of, of our culture, uh, you know, they use the word as well. So, you know, one of, you know, the, the brother that brought that up, you know, he actually brought up that angle. So I'd get, and, and, and the brother that brought that up is actually in the room. So I'm glad he joined us tonight because I, I told him I was going to come back to this to this subject. So, uh, brother JB, if you do have time to speak with us, we, we talking about the use of the N-word. And, um, you know, most of the commentary has been, you know, it's a term of endearment. It's something that we've kind of taken back. So uh, I'll let you uh, chime in on, on your stance on that. Um, but I was trying to kind of give the room a little bit of, of your stance on how it's been kind of gentrified and, 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 and taken away from us. My bad. That's fun to me, but how y'all doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Hanging in there, brother. Hold on. Let, let me rephrase that. How you house niggas doing tonight? <laughs> how you feel niggas doing tonight? <laughs> feel niggas? Feel niggas? We good? It's kind of hot out there, but we gonna make yeah, it. Yeah, my nigga. My nigga. We good. All right. So I just I, I just clicked in when you were saying that. I already knew what you was talking about. So what, what you want me to speak of? Um, so most of the comments most of the commentary has been, you know, that we can't see ourselves um, take, you know, you, 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 that word being taken away from us because of the way it's been used as a term of endearment. Um, and so I was, I was actually bringing up the angle of how it's been gentrified. It's actually been, you know, used outside of our community because of the popularity of it between us. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get everybody's feedback on that angle. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely gentrify. Like that, that's that's the cool turn of that's the cool turn to be now. But but you know, we had issues with people that use it that ain't live where we live. But they so comfortable using it because we so comfortable using it. I just have a question because um, from that perspective, a lot of things from our culture are being replicated, gentrified, whichever word you guys choose to use. So do we stop wearing locks? Do we um, stop doing uh, rap? Do we stop doing the things that they mimic from our culture? Because we have no control over what they do. But I find it um, almost, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Honor, maybe, that they think enough of us, even though they display that they don't, them replicating the things that we do in our culture shows that there's an interest in what we do, which is why they replicate it. So if we take, if we say stop using the word nigga because they use the word nigga, then that means stop wearing locks because now they're wearing locks. Women need to stop wearing braids because other cultures are starting to wear corn rolls as they would call them. So, I mean, we can't stop what people are doing because they idolize us. Okay. So Devin, you said a couple of things. I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the one where you said, you know, you, you, you see, they're using it. They're, they're emulating us, but they don't, I can't remember exactly what you said, but basically they'll use that word, right? Because they see us use it. So no, should we stop using it because they are doing it? Um, well, let's talk about dreads. Dreads, that, that doesn't hurt anybody. Although when I see a white person with dreads, I look at them sideways. Um, but I don't see dreads hurting anybody. I don't see dreads holding anybody back. I don't I don't see dreads as a defamation. That word, that, that nigga, it, it, it can so be used in so many different ways and it could it could it could get get us hot, get us, get under us under our collar if the wrong person uses it in our presence. Now, cultural appropriation just happens because we're popular. But once again, let's let's look at the culture that's been appropriated. Let's look at the culture that's being propagated. Black death. I talked about that. Niggas monetized. And it's not like we use it, but it's not monetized by us. Us rapping about killing somebody isn't monetized by us, although we talk about it all the time. It, we're, we're not the ones controlling that. So, and I don't remember, I don't know how, how deep Holly got into why I chose not to use that word anymore, but it, it's deep for me. It's real deep. Do you, uh, do you mind sharing it with us? I didn't, I didn't get into that, uh, with, with your personal beliefs on it. So, uh, y'all might hear me talk about this all the time because it's so prevalent to me, but it started back when, you know, it started with my kids um, and just being a leader in my household. And this is something my wife, she really taught me and, and helped me to it. And it, it's like I said, it's simple to say, but it's not so easy to do. And it's, it's simply, you know, lead, lead by example. So it's not, hey, do as I say, you know, do as I do, you know, follow my footsteps because I'm, I'm doing it the right way. So, you know. You'll see a lot of parents get mad at their kids because they they babies is cussing. Well, you're cussing in front of them, so they gonna follow what you do. You know, like sh drugs, smoking, anything. Like, hey, you saw your parents do it, so you, you gonna you go you probably gonna try it because you saw it there first. 
Now, of course, there are rules to every, you know, or exceptions to every rule. But for the most part, you, you know, you think about it. So that's where it started with me, with my kids. I wanted I wanted to be a, a, a leader for them, a proven leader. So I, I started changing some things about myself. So that's that's what started that path. So it's like a curse word for you in your household. Absolutely. You got you. Gotcha. Anybody else want to want to chime hey, in on that? I, I just want to know. Let me see how many people we got on here. And for whoever don't agree with me, you will be referred to as house nigga or Phil nigga when I see you. So don't get mad. That's that's what the fuck it means. <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in on that? I think brother JB, did you drop the mic in the room? I don't see how it's possible. I get so much. I get so much. I get. I get so much uh, feedback. You know, f people flashing on me when I bring this up. It's got to be somebody saying something. Me personally, that's a personal preference and how you feel. You know, uh, I'm. I'm. Hey, the, I'm that Donald Wig is my house, nigga. What's up? I'm a house. I'm a house, nigga. Up in the club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <laughs> keeping it real. You know what I mean? Like, it, it now, uh, me personally, I've been trying to, you know, cut down just on bad language, period, uh, when it comes to, you know, my own personal vocabulary. But the thing is, this is uh, riding my nigga since knee high to a grasshopper. You see what I'm saying? So, man, I just got smoked, man, talking to y'all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, with a sledgehammer, too. Boy, that hurt. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 he is my brother. You see what I'm saying? Now, you know, the, uh, one of the overused terms that I disagree with is this word kings. Everybody ain't kings. Somebody got to do the dirty work. You see what I'm saying? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, whoa, so whoa. With the word, the term nigga being used, but you disagree with the term Let king? Let me finish. Oh, my bad, my bad. I'm going to shut up. My bad. The point The point of the matter is, is this is, is I'm not a king. I'm not a nigga. My, my name is Donald. But if someone says, hey, what's up, king? I'm going to say, what's up? If somebody say, hey, what's up, my nigga? I'm going to say, what's up? I'm not going to look at the difference of the term to feel like one is more derogatory than the other when both of them is terms of endearment. Yep, because we've been taught that hating ourselves is the best love. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I'm sorry, brother. I never grew up learning to hate myself. Never. I think it was subconsciously, man. It was kind of subconsciously. Yeah, subconscious. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but it's programmed into the society, bro. You talking group think? I'm an individual. You know, what yeah, I'm but Donald, but but but, 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 but D, you know, eighty percent of there's eighty percent, damn near, of black men in prison. How many of us trying to go there? None of us. So it's not a group think. Yeah, I get that. I get that uh, wig, but but just just man, going back to like you said, bro. We we've been cool since knee high, man. Just going back to us back in high school, man. Just just our culture in general, man. The urban culture, man. Like like 
you know, a nigga mugging you, a nigga bumping to you, step on your shoes the wrong way. Like, bro, you be ready to take a nigga head off, bro. Like, that's what I think JB is speaking upon. Like, and we all come from that, bro. Like, we matured. We we made it out of that. And we, we can sit and, and reflect on those things now. We all have grown and matured. Um, but 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 we all woke up at some point, bro, from from that programming. I think is what JB is speaking to. Still needing to be woke up from the program. Peace, y'all. How y'all living? What's going on with you, Irv? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, I think that uh, when it comes to the word nigga, it's one of those things where uh, I'm one of those people that believe in like elevated speech. Like we're going to talk on a level that we want to live and maintain that. And um, I'm, I'm big on peace king, peace guy, all that. Um, and at first, I know it makes certain people feel funny, but that funniness they feel, I encourage it because I want, you know, I want them to feel funny and figure out why they feel funny about it because you shouldn't feel funny. We're all God in physical form. We're all an extension of the source energy. So, you know, it's a certain level of acknowledgement of God when I speak to you on a higher frequency than my nigga, 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 nigga. And... You know, coming from where I'm from, of course, like, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, um, it's odd to me that black men get uncomfortable with being called king, but they don't get uncomfortable with being called nigga. And although both are terms of endearment, one is factually a higher vibrating word than the other. One is not rooted. One's not rooted in oppression at all. One is rooted in being uplifted in love. God is love. So, um, you know, I know it's, it's awkward for some people, but again, I don't think people, I'll bring it. yeah, I don't think people will ever, uh, not ever, but I don't think people, you know, because of how we're conditioned, I don't think people realize internalized self-hatred because the, the word self-hatred sound like, you know, you look, you look at yourself in the mirror and just like, man, I don't fuck with you, but it's a subconscious thing. It's the same reason why a lot of times if you watch a black man walk down the street and talk to a white man or greet a white man, he nod his head down. You walk past a black man, he buck his head up in opposition, in, in challenge and confrontation. We don't think of it that way, but just pay attention to how the average black person greets a white man versus a black man. And all that shit is like, it's hardwired. And until we consciously make an effort that whenever I see this black man, I'm going to address him in this particular way, then, you know, I think it'll keep going on the radar. But I think it's important that we... uh. You know, and I'm not, I'm not on no crusade against the word nigga. I understand it completely. I use it. I try to stop using it because I would rather greet my friends and my brothers as, you know, brother, king. Um, anything besides nigga, he can call nigga a hundred million different ways. When it comes from me, though, I want it to be something that, that carry more weight than just calling him a nigga. For sure. For sure. I can respect that. So Anybody else want to chime let's in? Let's ask y'all a question. Go ahead, brother. What What's the problem then, it, it, you know, like as far as the racial connotation? As I spoke earlier before, you know, it, it's, it's a term of endearment in the black community. So, you know, what makes it such a bad thing to the point to where we want to take off the head of a, a white man or someone that's not black? 
What do you mean take well, off the head? What do you mean by that? If, if it, it it don't matter if you put the e, the hard er or the a, if a white boy say something like that, what you think is gonna happen? It's, it's what Earl said. It's that that word is rooted in oppression. It's so in oppression. That's the whole point. So, yeah. This, so the, so the, the word r nigger is a word that's rooted in in oppression. Nigger Correct. is not. What is the uh, root? Oh, it is. The origin of it the is. word nigger with the a. The origin of the word nigger with an A hey, comes from where? Oh, niggas is actually spelled N-E-G-U-S. Yeah, but that's not that's not what we That's say. a, good, we that's a that. different country, a different language. That's right. Ethiopia. <laughs> through Ethiopia, I know Hell Selassie, but that's the point I'm getting at. That's where it came from. That's the origin of it. It didn't come from the E-R. No, it, the way we use it as black Americans came from nigger. Exactly. We learned about the Ethiopian uh, etymology of it, and we use it now to, to justify us saying it. But the fact is, it came from Spanish conquistadors, negro, and they called it nigger. And we've been using it as nigger. We recently found out that that word in, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, etymology. But that's not that's not where the word nigger in, in black American culture came from. How right. can you identify that th that's where it came from as far as Black American culture? Because the, it, it, there were other brothers that actually were actually had the smarts to know about this information. Every Black man wasn't ignorant. So, you might be right. You might be right. So I, I, me personally, though, I, I don't know nobody that was uh, ever using it based on that. I know people that was using it and then found out that that fact me personally i can only speak personal information my entire life i use nigga in an american context and i heard kendrick do the etymology yeah. i said damn that's a cool little fact there okay mm -hmm. it, it adds more empowerment to it but nonetheless it doesn't change the fact that the way we've been using it is rooted in an oppressive word so let me let me uh let me chime in real quick um i agree with both sides i agree that 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 our origins of the use uh because we may not have known to go back even further with the origins, right? I think um, that I think that both of y'all are saying something that's true. I think that our origin, our our origin of the use of it, dates back to um, you know a certain event in history, and there may be deeper origins of the word overall where where it derives from that goes back even further than 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 where we began using it in, in at, at a point in time in history. So I think that both of y'all are saying. Uh, two things that, that 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 can be true at the same time. I think about the term hostilities. What comes up to me? Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, and, I and the point that he's making, he he is making some very 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 valid points. Nah, you know I, what I mean? I think JB got a point. I mean, but I also think about the idea of like what what language means. Like when I think when I think about what I name my daughter, my oldest daughter in particular names matter like if i i named my daughter maya because i wanted to name her after someone who made a huge impact on me when i was just a college kid going to see her live maya angelou and i was like i knew immediately when i saw her i wouldn't name my daughter after her now when when my cousins when i go back to my my old hood and they call me like this this little nigga over here used to do x y and z i recognize the intent and where they're coming from with that so i don't react the same way but do I necessarily use language like speaking back to them? No, not necessarily. Like I'm like, like I don't mind hearing that because I grew up hearing it. 
but I don't refer to myself as such because I'm like, eh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not because I know the history. I can't, I can't undo what I heard in hearing about medical apartheid. I can't undo what I heard when I hear about like all the other horrific things we experienced during that time frame, and I can't separate those two things. But at the same time, if I know I'm back at home amongst my people, I'm like, look, I know what type of time they on. I'm not going to kick back here and kick semantics in that situation if I recognize the intent behind what they're saying, which is why if I heard a white person say it with an A or ER, I'm crashing them immediately. Like, it's just, like, they know what they meant. They, they, they know the history of that word. They know what they can and can't get away with. So I, I think that's, I think from JB's standpoint, I hear where he's coming from because that's, it's okay to not be able to say like, I don't want to hear that direct toward me or I don't want to direct toward my kids or whomever, because that feels uncomfortable to me. And also I can see how somebody can, we can take, we have a history as a people of reclaiming things that were not meant for human consumption and then alchemizing them into something beautiful. So that's what, so I see both the beauty and the ugliness behind it at the same time. And it doesn't bother me. Like, but if it's, so in that situation, I think about the idea of trauma repetition. Is it trauma repetition, meaning are we repeating the trauma amongst our own people, horizontal hostility, by using that word? I think it's up for debate. I think it depends on the intent, which is why I'm I'm say yes. if I can, if I can hear, if I can see or hear like, you know, the, if Holly comes to greet me, when he's in town and says, oh, my nigga, Bert, how you doing? Brother Bert, how you doing? Whichever way he greets me, I'm like, I know that's what intent because I know he's coming to me with love. But if there's a scenario, there's a scenario where I feel like there's some... I have to the relic. I will in a second, okay? That's my daughter in the background, y'all. Like, so when I talk about this idea of, like, intent and the words we use, I do think they do have power. I just think you have to recognize who you're who you're speaking to and what intent they're coming by, which is why a lot of the times the word is used in trap music. I hate the way it sounds there because you're talking about killing. Talk about killing somebody I look that looks like me. I don't like that. Cause as a what's homie's name? He wrote a book called Monster back in like 0304. And he was a crip who um, eventually converted his life uh, when he went to prison. He said, uh, he said, huh? You said what? That was Tookie, wasn't it? I, I wasn't too. No, I wasn't think this was OG Cody. I think you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in that in that book, he was talking about the idea of like he was talking about what they used to say to each other when they would go out on their ride and die missions. And he said a quote that stuck with me even from back when I read it. He said, "It's easy to ride on some niggas. It's harder to go out and ride on somebody you consider a brother." Mm-hmm. Like think about the idea. And this is where I really do agree with JB. Like it's a dehumanizing term if you use in, in this particular context. Like, you're telling somebody you are less than me. You are, what did you say in the chat? You said it was like, uh, like the, the, the worm of the dirt or something like that. Some, some disgusting future term, something along those lines. Like, that idea of like, that we are less than nothing. And I think that, I, I think, I think that is part of it. <laughs> if we look at like, how our culture, not, not our culture, but like, particularly like, some of our music talks about like killing somebody else, which is why that piece, I don't have a strongest reaction to like the word nigga, but I do have a strong reaction to somebody talking about like, you know, rap, especially white folks who love trap music. I give them a side eye immediately. Cause I'm like, why do you like the music to talk about us dying? Like what's, what's the appeal? 
So I, I, that's my that's my stance on it. It's, it's, it might be a bit more halfway between where JB sits and where everybody else sits, but I don't that's know. Cool. I think, I think Bird, you said two things. What's that? My bad. My bad. You said two <laughs> things. One, one where you talked about how we have a tradition of turning things that aren't supposed to be uh, consumed by us into something yeah. beautiful. Yes. Well, now we got a whole history of hypertension amongst our people because of that. No, that's true. So, you gotta- same, same with niggas. So it, it's it, it, it's at this point it's endemic. It's like it ain't going nowhere. It's 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 just instilled within us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the other point, so I'll just shut up. No, no, I think you got the point because there's something, but there is something to be said about uh, what if y'all read the book My Grandmother's Hands, it's by another fellow trauma therapist, now turned major book deal kind of guy, Resma Menachem, who said trauma decontextualized in the community becomes culture. So if you have a scenario where something awful happens and over time we start adapting to it, which is what our people did, we adapt to all this stuff and try to survive this stuff. Then it becomes culture because you don't have to you don't have to traumatize an entire generation. You just say, "Oh, that's how we survive." So, mm. I see. I think I see so. What's up? Well, I want to uh, something that you said that stuck out to me. Bert, yeah. You said context and intent. Yes. So with context and intent, um, if your let's say your woman is really upset with you because she found. You know, some girl was calling you. What'd yeah. she say? Nigga. Let's say somebody step on your shoe. Bitch mm-hmm. ass nigga. Mm-hmm. How often do you ever hear somebody in those types of energies calling you God? Mm. Mm, that's a good so point. It, yeah. show, it speaks to the venom that comes with that word. No matter how much we try to shine it up and make it nice and new, there's still an opportunity for it to turn into that energy. No, I like so, that. That's for me, for me, I personally take more, I don't take issue with people using the word. I take mm-hmm. issue with people being, having an aversion to a better word than that. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's because we are better than that. We're better than a word that could be turned into some negative shit in 2023. It's not just that it's rooted from slavery. It's in this day and age, if, if a black man from across the street said, hey, nigga, you know that mm-hmm. energy just feel crazy. Yeah. So it's like that that okay. says a lot about the word itself, but I also understand, you know what I'm saying, like it can be used in love, but I know there's other terms that can't be used in a negative manner. And it seems like black people tend to have aversions to those words. Like, yes, every woman is not a queen. There are some complete whores out here that get called queens. There are niggas out here who are terrible men, barely men, and we call them right. king. But I would rather exactly we do that. Then call yeah. everybody nigga and everybody be cool with nigga. If I call you king, that might plant a seed in your mind somewhere that maybe you can live up to be better and, and make it more of a, a fitting title when people call you that. Versus mm. if all you ever hear is nigga, 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 nigga. But mm. I heard that whenever you spoke on context and intent. Mm. Yeah. I hear you. You, might, you, got, you drive a good point. You drive a good point in that situation. I want to happen really quickly too because I um, grew up with my grandma actually raised me for a good portion of my life before my mom and um, my dad and we like no one in my family says that word my husband can attest to this he's been to countless family gatherings for the last 12 years the men don't the women don't nobody says this word my grandma does not allow it she did not allow it in her presence 
so I picked it up when I was in school and, you know, it's kind of just a cool thing to say. Um, I'm also half Nigerian and I never hear any Nigerian saying it ever at all. So for me, I kind of just considered it as part of the culture. But then when I got older, and this actually happened pretty recently, probably within the last year or so, I started noticing how I never really hear it used for women, especially like if women, you know, if a woman is being disrespected or someone's trying to call a woman out of her name, they don't use the N-word. It's typically used when addressing men. And that started bothering me because I do feel like out of everybody in the world, the black man in this, at least in this country, the black man is held back the most. So why is it that the term that was the most derogative historically is still being used today in a common manner for men? But, you know, like my husband, I, I literally have never heard him refer to a woman that way, whether it's positive or negative. So for me, when I made, I, I don't know, when I had that realization, I was like, okay, I'm not with this word at all, ever, because it's really hard to take a word that's negative and try to create a movement to where it's positive. And, you know, if you really think about profanity, curse words, ain't nobody out here trying to change the F-bomb into something popular, into something that's, that's, that's positive. So I think that I'm, I'm more of the camp that that word is just damaging. Um, even though we try to turn it into something positive, it's so embedded in us that we might not know what it's really doing to us subconsciously. Because we as a people do carry a lot of subconscious trauma that we try to put a badge on as strength. We know it's just trauma. <laughs> it's just trauma. Okay, let me let me chime in before anybody else gives any feedback. Uh, Princess, how you doing, honey? I did want to... Um, play devil's advocate to one of the points that you made. You said um, you brought up your Nigerian roots and you said you don't hear Nigerians using that ever. And uh, that was the case when I was around your family gatherers until I uh, discovered Nigerian hip hop because them niggas is using the N-word um, like they grew up on the same block I did. So I did want to just point that out just to throw some humor into that. But uh, I, I can't really argue with anything else you said. Did anybody else want to chime in on that? Use of the N-word in our culture. Uh, is it something that we should be getting rid of for the next generation? I just know as a person that understands the need to change and improve, it's, it's always hard to take that first step. So even acknowledging the fact that maybe I shouldn't use that word, it can be hard. So I'll, I'll leave that there. I think we should, though. We should abandon it. Because we can't really control who can say it, though. Because now you got white kids, Asian kids saying it, so... Can you hear me? Absolutely. Hear you, brother. And, and so this is Marcus again. I've been just kind of sitting back and digesting uh, what has been said. You know, part of the problem is... We have free will, free will, knowledge, and understanding. Uh, under knowledge is just, man, we can we can all grow up in the same household, same community, and we're still going to know different things uh, about one particular thing. And so, knowledge, although one person may get it, the understanding may not be there for another. 
but at the end of the day, we got a free will in what we want to do. And so some are going to want to use it, some will not. Uh, but as long as we're all on different pages and we have their free will, we can always have be having this discussion. I, believe. I would like to chime in and say one thing um, with being a, a mother of four boys. Um, and I grew up in the South and that was just a, a normal word that we use. And uh, it did not dawn on me that um, that word um, that I had to be careful of how it was used in the house or if I was using it because uh, I don't use it to like, you know, get at my boys or, or anything like that. But if we're sitting around laughing, talking, watching something, you know, I might hear my boys joking with each other using the word or, you know, you know, just kind of used freely. Never thought anything about it because it was just a condition I was used to hearing until one day all of all of us were, were we were out. And uh, now my boys are from the ages of 18 to 28. And they was just having a general talking, laughing conversation. We were out in public. It was most definitely a, a diverse group. It was, you know, Caucasians, all, all kind of people. And my youngest boy, which is 18, was talking to his brother that was 24. And they were laughing. And they were kind of, you know, talking a little loud. It wasn't low. And my, and my baby boy said, nigga, nigga, please. And it was something that they were laughing at. And immediately, because I wasn't at home and I was in a different environment it kind of made me look like what you know I, and i'm like dude don't don't say that and at that point it made me realize well it was common for me to hear it when i was in the house but when i got out in public and i was around other people why did it make me feel that way so immediately i realized okay that should not be a common word or you know it's comfortable in one place but when i'm in another place it's uncomfortable, but it's the same word. It was used in the same content. They was joking, they was laughing, but it made me very uncomfortable to hear him say that in the public. And so at that point was when I started to, you know, kind of check myself on how I used it, addressing them like, you know, we, we really should get away from addressing each other like that. And so I just wanted to say that, that if, and, and that's why I wish we could get away, away from it because it does, you know, kind of, makes my skin crawl to hear it in certain situations versus being at home but how can you control if you use it one place you use it somewhere else it should be the same feeling so i i really think it's something that uh shouldn't be used if possible but like someone said earlier it's just kind of you know it's, it's hardwired in us but my new philosophy is is if you can't say it here or you feel uncomfortable saying here you don't want to say it in church if you're going to use it, you should be comfortable using it wherever, and it's uncomfortable for me wherever. So that's what made me realize that that's something I had to work on with, with myself and with my family because it, it, it wasn't a good feeling to hear my boys say that out in public with, with white people and other people around. Absolutely. I can, uh, I can definitely attest to that. Um, you know, go, going back to, to kind of the theme uh, of where the question was centered around uh, was really just, you know, kind of speaking about the next generation. Right. Um, I think from what from what I'm gathering, I think that uh, we all can agree that it's it's a very complex situation. It's a, there's a lot of complexities to it. And for that for that reason alone, it, it probably is something that we should try to get away from for the next generation, because something that's complex 
as the use of this type of language, um, you know, it, it, it takes an adult themed mind to even be able to understand things like context, uh, all of the complexities that are surrounding this word and its origin and its history. So uh, while I am uh, in that group of people that will, will admit that I'm probably never going to stop using the word, um, I also see where everyone is coming from in terms of, of the uncomfortable nature of the word. And, and I think that that's, that's, um, that kind of speaks to why, you know, I get into certain, uh, my growth has, has, has put me in situations where now that I'm older, I say the word less. Uh, there are uh, times where I'm conscious of where I'm saying it, like to Janine's point, uh, my wife has had to check me because we've been out in public and, and, and I might drop the word around some white folks. And, and uh, it is, it's an immediate uh, uncomfortable situation for a lot of folks, depending on where it's said, no matter what the context of it is. Um, so it is one of those words, Janine brought up a very good point. Uh, if it's if it's something that you're not comfortable saying, like let's say in, in church or around older folks, um, you know, around some of your elders, right? Um, if, if you have those sort of feelings in your spirit, then, then that's your spirit telling you that something's not all the way right with this. So I, I think I can kind of, um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like Bert where I'm kind of on a straddling the fence where I can kind of see both sides. Uh, but I, I think that um, as we get older, uh, those of us that have our heads on straight, we do tend to use that word a lot less and in a lot less, dis a lot less spaces than we did when we were younger. And I, I think that that um, is something that, you know, maybe we should be promoting amongst the youth. So that's my two cents. If anybody else wants to give some feedback on it. I got I'm, I'm, my bad. I, I got a call. But look, Bernie Mac said, don't be afraid to use the word motherfucker. There's so many ways that you can use it. It's a, you know what I mean? It's a person, like, place, a thing. It's a noun. <laughs> It's now, you see. <laughs> so, I, and I'm, I'm definitely, especially with that quote. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to say. I'm, a, I'm gonna kill my brother. You know what I mean? Versus, I'm about to kill this nigga. You know what I mean? And when I'm upset, if he a bitch ass nigga, that's what I'm gonna say. Uh, so I'm definitely understanding where y'all coming from. I can't. I can't sit here and say that, you know what I mean, that I would stop using it. But, I mean, your y'all points are just so much, you know, so valid, I can't argue it. I appreciate hearing that. But uh, for those that, well, two things. Janine, you started by saying, you know, in terms of where that word was used in public versus being at home. Holly, you hit on it, too. Um, something that we do is code switching. You know, we got our customer service voices and we got our, our house voices. So, and I was just about to mention that, man. Go ahead, take it home. So, I, I will say this. Um, gosh, like, I have been told I talk white my entire life. I'm talking about growing up, you know, because my mom wouldn't have me speak any other way at home. Like, so I've always spoken the way I, I spoke. Like, I can use slang, but, you know, I'm using the correct terms. I'm using it the right way. It's just because I was raised that way. So it, I would say in terms of me being who I am, wherever I go, it's easier. Just That's just how I, I was brought up versus Janine, where you say, you know, you got four boys. 
and that term niggas being used constantly by your boys and it, they doing what they comfortable with outside the house. Now it's like, oh shit, like, hold up, there's white folks around. So um, that's something to think about, but with that code switch and, that, and that's something we've done to, to survive. But also to those with, with, with kids, boys or girls, but I'll, I'll say leaning towards boys more, when you're raising your child, are you trying to raise a real nigga? Or are you trying to raise something else? You know, the code switching brings an interesting dynamic, man, because um, there's two different ways that we can look at that, right? Like you said, it's something that we've had to do to survive. Um, we all got our professional voice. Our, you know, we know we know how to act in public. Uh, we know how to act in certain professional spaces. Um, just just even the way that, that we're discussing, you know, on this platform right now, a lot a lot of you brothers, you know, I know outside of this. Right. And, and you know, when, when we not on these platforms where, where we got to behave ourselves, man, we talk we talk to each other in, in, in a lot of different um, a lot of different slang is just floating around the room. Right. Uh, so we do do a lot of code switching. There's two different ways that we can look at that. We can look at it as as something that, you know, is embedded in us for survival. But we can also look at it as 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 trauma, right? Because it's like we can't be ourselves a, around those who who don't look like us, right? So there's two different ways that we can kind of look at the code switching, and is that something that we should be getting away from from the next generation? Because I do kind of see that uh, more with the youth, where they're kind of forcing um, the, the the these outside coaches to accept us for who we are, the way that we are, right? So, so the code switching is an interesting dynamic. So I, I'd like to get some feedback on that. I, I, I agree. Um, Cause code switching <laughs> is for real truth. You, you one way, like they say, what you do in the dark comes to the light or what you do in the light. If you can't do it in the light, you know, don't do it in the dark. And um, that's something that, uh, a lot of people do because you can be one one way one way one place and somewhere different because the craziest part you know about my children is they're not in the street they don't even go out at night all of them are those they know nothing about nothing about the street but they use their word so commonly because it's a common word that's used and the crazy part is when i addressed it to my son the first thing he said was what did i say he was not even aware he had even used the word because it was it was so common but me you know being older i'm good at switching the code because i i can be on that you know customer service and i can switch it and be on something different but that was just a normal word you know for them and now i'm like okay i've allowed this now they're in a different situation don't know nothing about the street you know and it caught me and he didn't even realize he had even said the word because it was such a common word that they use you know so yeah i agree with 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 the comment wholeheartedly man i ain't gonna lie my mama was the the queen of code switching like i didn't even know what a telephone voice was till you know dealing with my mom's house she would talk to her sister or you know my uncle you know, versus the bill collectors. Well, no bill collectors, because hell, they didn't have no bills paid and not paid. But uh, the the thing is, it's like, it, it, it's, we all have that, I guess you could say that game face, you know, that we have to put on, you know what I mean? But 
is that naturally how you are? Like I've been doing, I've been in customer service for quite some time when it comes to call centers and I do not put on a telephone voice. I used to, but it's got tiresome. And you, you, after a while, you start to be like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm gonna give you the real. So I started being real about it all the way through. And come to find out, it comes out naturally that I have a very, you know, unique way to do it and get it to make it sound like, okay, well, this person is a really nice person, even if I'm mad. But the whole thing is, is when it comes to all that, we all put our game face on. But when it comes to our our loved ones, we are able to loose and, you know, be relaxed. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. You think it's human nature? Do you think it's something that's 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 only going on in our communities, or do you think it's more human nature? Because you know we do we, when we can let our hair down and kick our feet up. We when we are around our people and we are more comfortable, uh, we we may act or, or or speak in a way that we won't around you know the public. So do you think that that's something that's just in our culture? Because I've always considered cold switches something something that we do. That other coaches no. don't have to do. No, no, no. Let me let me explain. When I, Corps, when I was in the Marine Corps, hey, we had we had behavior that supposed to be like a Marine, and then we had jarhead behavior. And let me tell you, them white boys is just as dirty. You see what I'm saying? They don't they don't have the 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 jolly be gosh attitude either when they got their hair down too so it's not i find it seemed it would be that way because that you know that's how we grew up but after dealing with so many different races growing up you know in the military and you know some of these brothers i knew i know they mamas you know what i mean so it's 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 not just a cultural thing it's just a human nature thing Can I ask a question um, that's kind of along the lines of color switching? Is that okay, y'all? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I know when we commonly say color switching, we mean like words or how you talk or how you, you know, might phrase things. But there is like a different way to think about color switching in terms of how you behave, um, you know, what you're willing to accept, really get the standards that you uphold. So in, I think it might have been episode two, Devin actually was talking about how she has always raised her sons to, you know, take pride in being a black man, to really, you know, stand up for themselves and have standards. But then as soon as police are around, you know, she takes a different tone. And she she was just talking about how that in a way is kind of like code switching and it's hard to navigate that. Like, how do you raise a young black man to be confident, but then also on the other side, telling well, you got to fear for your life in these instances. So I'm just kind of like wanting to bring up that perspective for the, the brothers in the room or the mothers who, who are raising young men. Like, how do we think about that when it relates to code switching? So for me, uh, fear never, like, I don't even think about fear. Like I, I want my kids to live unapologetically wherever they go and, and not feel the need to code switch to be safe. Um, and it, 
just in terms of teaching that it's just through example i mean they see how i am in in every situation i'm the same person wherever i go uh do i rub people the wrong way absolutely do i give a fuck no um excuse my language but that just just from from my end fear won't play a part in in, in how they act it's just more of a respect where you are thing under, under understand you know re, being able to read the room i think is bigger for me you know i i do want to uh challenge that a bit so um you know i don't have kids uh at this point uh but you know i am very very much involved in our culture and are are we not teaching are you guys not teaching your kids that we live in a different america that black people and white people live in two different americas isn't does isn't that kind of related to code switching and 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 having to know who you're around at certain times uh, are we not still teaching teaching our, our young folks that we live in two different americas i do i don't i ain't gonna lie to you nope all i talk to my kids about what's good and what's evil I mean, I, I personally do. I mean, I talk about like systemic racism. I talk about like the idea of uh, individual racism. And I mean, I, te I teach what my grandmother taught me. You know, I remember being a kid and her watching, I don't know if you remember the Eye on the Prize. It used to come on like on public, public TV back in the day, um, talking about the civil rights movement. So, I mean, I taught my daughter about her namesake and I taught her about like how, what we had to do to get free. I want them to know that, but I teach them in an age appropriate way. I mean, because I think I don't want them to get blindsided by it and like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Nah, because I do a lot of folks who look like me in college that were blindsided by the fact that racism still exists. They're like, I thought we was equal. No, there's a reason why you got redlined out of your hood. There's a reason why we our housing prices are different. There's a reason why when I went to go buy my first home, why my realtor who got fired immediately was steering us toward like these areas of the town that we and I'll be there in just a second. There's a reason why our realtor was steering us toward certain areas of the town, even though we were overqualified for that particular space, because they wanted to steer us in the area that was redlined. So again, it's that scenario. I want them to understand, I think context again, like if you give someone context, the emotions, the thoughts and the feelings actually make a bit more sense. It doesn't necessarily change how we react to it, but it does give us more options and choices and saying, than just saying like, there's only one America with two between good and evil. Not to, not to throw you under the bus, dude, but like that's, I think that dynamic, that dynamic is what allows us to make few like fair choices about like how we go about moving through the world, whether we code switch or whether we don't. I mean, I, I'm luckily in a privileged position where I can speak to y'all the same way I speak like when I'm in session. Like I don't have to change how I approach things necessarily. I can still speak in the way I normally speak. I don't have a counselor voice. This is exactly how I'm speaking to y'all. So like, I think that, cause in that it's freedom. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to change that scenario, but I understand that I'm in a privileged position and I don't, there's some folks who have to put on that customer service voice. They have to put on their, hi, how you doing? Kind of voice. You know? So it's, it's a shitty spot to be in. Agreed, agreed with that one, for sure. For sure, it's, it's, it's definitely, man, it's a slippery slope um but again man i just go back to the complexities man and I, I think about our youth i think about how much we've grown 
uh, as individuals in, in, into a manhood, into a womanhood, um, you know, all of the things that, that we may have misinterpreted at younger ages, man, like there's so much complexity to, 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 to our culture, man. And so, uh, you know, these are all great, great talking points, man. Uh, the, the, the dialogue is definitely necessary. Uh, but but there's a, there's such a complexity to all of this, man, that is that it's tough to to really pick a side for me. It's crazy because um, I took my son to watch the movie Teal and like as most people know, like I really talk about how like I engage in conversation with my kids. And after that, us watching that movie, I had my son give me. Um, examples of what that looks like in today's age versus like how she literally kept trying to sit down and talk to her son and warn him on how to move in a, in another area. And I, I, as a mother, I mean, I think I'm always going to come from a more emotional place than men. Uh, so I was really emotional, like about that movie, like, yeah, I'm going to always tell my son and maybe it's not to instill fear, but it is definitely to create awareness because at the end of the day, we live in a world of two different understandings, good and evil, um, white and black. Uh, I even, you know, try to like equip him with the things that I didn't have, like an understanding of credit, understanding of financial literacy. Like as I'm learning at 37, I'm trying to get my 15 year old, I'm trying to get my 11 and my six year old to understand so that they don't have to wait until they're adults to start learning the things that they should be learning now. So um, I'm, I'm a big advocate for making sure that as we're learning, we're including our kids in that process so that they can learn with us. Absolutely, right on. Brother Marcus, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, there, there are several things. Um, uh, as a young parent, I still consider myself as a young parent. I have a 22 year old. Um, I don't teach out of fear but I teach out of survival for them. Uh, we live in an area to where it, it is diverse. Uh, that's something that I desire because I wanted my children to be able to adapt and be able to deal with whoever, regardless of what they were. And uh, because I didn't have that, I had that experience, but you know, that was one of the things that kind of opened my eyes that, man, I want my children to be able to deal wherever. And if they need to be able to code switch, uh, I think that's just a part of survival. Um, and so I, I think it's important. Um, we, we teach out of love, not out of fear, even though there may be emotions tied to it at some point. Um, you know, I, I think it is, it's one of those things where you just have to kind of take everything into consideration. If you are not teaching, uh, the different standards that they are and that we are different, I believe we just setting our children up for failure. Uh, to be able to uh, be, you know, blindsided. And so it, it's just one of those things. Is it is it fair? No. Is it reasonable? Yeah, because you want to see your kid at home at night. You want to see your kids succeed. So why not show them? Now, they get to, they, they have to, you know, make their own decisions and everything else. But at the same point in time, at least they can kind of see the, the ropes there, if you will. And so... I try to do that without forcing my mindset on them because it's a lot different now 
uh, with me, with us growing up versus our kids growing up, they have a lot more uh, accessible to them. And so we have to be able to try to teach them without forcing our thought process, our religions and everything else on them because they still have that choice to, to be able to make. I want to uh, piggyback off of that um, because when it comes to, you know, raising, raising our children, especially, you know, uh, when they're, when they're uh, boys in, in this world that, that we're dealing with right now, I think about um, more so I would say I don't teach my kids to cold switch, but I do teach them in, in that situation when it comes to um, their safety. I try to teach my boys how to react from a logical perspective versus an emotional perspective. Because uh, a lot of times when, when, when you wanna, let's say for instance, the police, okay? And if they do something wrong, it's normal. A lot of people, not all, but they lose their lives from an emotional reaction that the police was wrong. Uh, what did I do? You know, and, and, and because it's not fair. And so that those emotions come in and we get confrontational. But at the same time, sometimes in that instance, you know, well, in the instance, the police is the authority. So if you're making an emotional reaction to someone in authority with a gun, was it worth it versus logically knowing, okay, their perspective was off, but do you have to challenge it to the degree where it gets out of control versus making a logical decision that, okay, this person authority, they got a gun, it don't take much for them to want to shoot me. Can I just follow what they tell me to do so I can keep it moving and I can be alive to think about would it really have been worth me getting emotional and losing my life? So it's about making logical decisions in the moment versus emotional decisions. And that's the same thing I teach my children when they're dealing with their girlfriends. Cause one of my oldest son, he's pretty hot head. And when your emotions get out of control, you're actually a puppet. You're being controlled by someone else and you're not logically thinking that could get you in trouble. Cause I tell them all the time, you put your hands on her. If the police show up, you're going to be seen for what you did. They're not going to ask, what did she say to you? What did she call you that made you react? No, it's consequences for your reaction, regardless if that person triggered your emotions. So you have to learn how to deal with things more logical than emotional versus, you know, kind of calling certain situations a code switching. So that's what, how I try to teach them, you know, play the, you got to do what you got to do, but always act in a logical perspective. Think it through before your emotions kick in and you start seeing and doing things that just really didn't make sense because you, you put yourself in a battle that, you know, the chances of winning are pretty low. So. Yo, I wanted to uh, add on to that, to the, it's kind of shifting to where, you know, logic versus emotions. I think us maybe wanting to get rid of code switching as a whole, in my opinion, is somewhat of an emotional response because logically speaking, having a general way of speaking and a casual way of speaking or, you know, speaking one way in certain one area and versus another, there is logic to that. I give an example. Um, when I was uh, in college down in Langston, um, there was a situation. I had a homeboy who was from the Bay. 
and he was getting into it with this dude that was from Dallas. And now we in Langston, Oklahoma, everybody away from home, nobody is at home. And so what they what they were getting they were getting into it and you know having words and but basically the long the, the short version of the story is that one guy said, "All right, man, fuck all this, nigga. Let's get the burners and let's get at it." So they went and parted ways, and I'm confused. I'm like, I've never heard the term burners in my life. But old guy from um, from Dallas. He went in his uh, dorm room. He came out with like some some like some motorcycle gloves or whatever, just like some gloves on. And he was like, "All right, bro, I got my burners. Tell your boy to come outside." And I'm like, "All right." So I go up to uh, the dorm room where my boy is at. This man, I punched a hole in the wall where he hit a gun and he grabbed his gun, getting ready to go outside and shoot these niggas. And so immediately, I'm thinking, "Oh, you two niggas is not on the same page at all." So I'm trying to defuse the situation. And then, you know, it ended up getting defused and all of that. But literally, because they were both speaking their their casual way of speaking, there was literally two people on two drastically different wavelengths. So I think the concept of, you know, having a general speech or a general way to talk when you're in certain environments and in certain areas, just to make sure you're understood, make sure messages get conveyed correctly, make sure you're not sending somebody off the deep end. You know, you, um, yeah, having a general way of speaking, there, there's nothing wrong with that concept whatsoever. I think it's more so in how it applied. Like, are you trying to speak well so or, you know, or speak a certain way so you can get a job? Hey, you might want to do that so you can get that job. Now, you know, once you get in there and slowly, you know, start letting that uh, customer service or whatever speak go as time goes on, have at it. But as far as just getting rid of changing the way you speak based on your environment or based on your audience, I think we should still, logically speaking, we should still hold on to that. Man, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm just going back to your story, man. Listen, um. I, you know, when I hear the word burner, I, I think immediately somebody going to get a gun. And, and so I'm, I'm over here. I had to put myself on mute, bro, because I was cracking up when you said the brother from Dallas <laughs> when, he got, when he got some motorcycle gloves. Because now, you know what I'm saying, I, I got I to talk to my brother Marcus, brother, brother, brother Pastor, please explain to us how his burners, you know what I'm saying, significant to motorcycle gloves. Like, I'm, I'm confused about the slang, man. Like, but that's. That's an interesting point, though, though, G Don. I appreciate it, man. Hey, I got a cold switch. That ain't all uh, in us. No, that ain't. <laughs> that ain't all of us, Doc. That's just that's that. <laughs> that ain't all of us now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but li literally, though, in that situation, one person perceived it as okay. We about to, and and the way he perceived it, we about to have you know an honorable fight. Like one on one, you know, we ain't trying to kill each other, but we finna throw hands and you know, and 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 have it be that. And then the other person took it as a threat on to his life, which is a totally different uh, scenario. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Language is complex like that, though, man. Um, some slang is regional. Um, you know, there, there there's certain 
certain slang terms that we would use in one area that that we wouldn't use you know that other areas they use in a different manner but then it's also generational man like you know some of the young folks you know it, it happens with every generation we have slang terms that are created that you know older folks would would, would use in a different manner so uh it's just a lot of complexity to it man i keep going back to that man like how how do we expect the youth to adapt and and to get a hold on all of these things when it's so complex I wanted to um, chime in real quick because I just feel like it would be remiss for me not to mention this, uh, having a whole nonprofit that focuses on men's mental health. But I keep hearing the term logic and emotion. And I think one of the ways to um, help our young boys grow into men is to help them understand and tap into their emotional understanding. Like, we, we have a primary level and a secondary level of our emotions. And for the most part, as a woman, we see men demonstrate anger, fear, and 50-50 love based on whatever they received from a child. And I really feel like understanding your emotional state will change the trajectory of our community for men in a whole. Understanding that going to therapy doesn't make you look weak but it indeed makes you strong like all of those things i haven't heard spoken on um but i keep hearing the term logic versus emotional state and i really think once you understand your emotions and i know miss janine had mentioned the word trigger like we just talked about that on our um on one of our uh, episodes like you're triggered based on a past trauma and that comes with an emotional understanding like why am i feeling this way why like understanding and being okay with feeling that way and once i think our young boys are able to actually move in that confidently and in a healthy manner that will just open up doors to that uh part of our men in my opinion can't argue Kevin, i'm so glad you made that point because uh, I use the word trigger uh, specifically because my son, uh, he had to go through therapy because when he was 13, uh, his father physically abused him like like he was a, a, a dude in the street, okay? And he was just 13 years old and uh, it gave him PTSD, uh, very angry, you know, different things like that and how he reacts to things has a lot to do with mental mental health. And I'm so glad you, you brought that up, but that's most definitely why I use that word because anything triggers him and he makes those emotional decisions. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think I think that one of the keys to becoming emotionally intelligent amongst man is, is for us to dispel um, a lot of the myths around uh, the concept of emotion, um, you know, for us as man, and we talked about this in our first episode, um, emotion is, is looked at as a, a bad thing. It's a soft thing. It's something that, that men are not supposed to have. It's something that we all kind of grew up with, with that mindset. Um, and as I got older, you know, I realized that, uh, em emotions are, are, are part of being human, right? Um, even, even anger and aggression, you know, you know, the way that we are taught to be hard, those, those are emotional reactions, right? Everything that we do as emotion, as, as humans, uh, contains some level of emotion, even nonchalant, being unbothered 
is 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 a feeling. It's an emotion. Um, so so I think that dispelling the myth of of what emotions truly are. You know, we all have emotions. Uh, the the way that we react, the way that we feel uh, as human beings. Period. Um, we're always in our feelings. We're always being emotional. There, we have to dispel that that whole concept that emotions are only um, are only in reference to soft emotions or you know uh, kind natured emotions. Nah, emotions are, are are no matter what. You know, for for every reaction, there's an opposite reaction, and those are all on the emotional uh, spectrum. So I think that that's key to um to kind of you know hand it down to our youth we got to dispel what what the whole concept of being in your feelings and and and, and being in your emotions really is because we always in our feelings and, and in our emotions anybody else want to chime in any more comments great dialogue tonight folks I see GT just joined us. What's going on with your brother Game Tight? Good to see you back with us. What's going on, family? How's everybody doing? Just, Man. you know, I'm a little late to the party, but uh, definitely had to stop in. Just getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, man, joining in, man. We definitely missed your presence. And, uh, you know, all of our thoughts and prayers have been with you and the family. So definitely good to hear your voice, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Likewise. For sure, for sure. Well, listen, man. Um, it's I'm I'm looking at the time, man. We we we've been going for a little over an hour now, man. And I definitely appreciate uh, all of the commentary, all of the feedback from everybody. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us tonight. I do want to take um a couple of seconds to uh, give flowers and a round of applause to Miss Devin, uh, for, for for publishing her first book. So if you haven't heard about that, she. She is a life coach, certified life coach, and she's the founder of Lifted KC. Uh, she mentioned that that mental health organization that is generated towards uh, mental health for black men. Uh, she has published a book with Angela Marie Publishing. It'll be uh, due for release here in a couple of weeks. So shout out to her for that. It's called Sit In Your Shit. Uh, it's a 30-day guided journal for processing a crisis. So uh, she she not only talks the talk, she walks the walk. And uh, it's going. And I'm super excited about the release of that. So everybody give her a round of applause and and uh, give her some kudos for that. Um, Devin, did you want to speak? Did you want to speak um, on your? Devin, did you want to speak? Did you want to speak on your wonderful accomplishment? Okay, I think Devin might be preoccupied. But uh, listen, y'all, um, if y'all don't have anything else, man. I think I, my I AirPod popped up. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Devin. Give us give us a few words. Okay, I didn't hear what you last said. It, my phone made it like my AirPod was on. I was actually so. uh, letting the room know I was I was giving you kudos and a round of applause for, for publishing your first book. And, uh, and, and, I, and I just wanted to give you a, a couple of seconds to talk about the journal. Oh, okay. Thanks, brother. Okay. Look, listen, I have not yet. Um, I don't think it's reality yet. I think it'll, it'll actually hit uh, when we actually do the release. So for anybody that's in Kansas City, I would love to see you guys there. It is a free event. Uh, one thing that I did want to say that I've kind of been just saying on any platform that I've been given the opportunity, um, I was very intentional with ensuring that this journal was um, for both men and women. 
I believe wholeheartedly that uh, we both experience trauma as men, as women. And because my heart is geared to men in this current season of my life and men healing, um, I definitely want to see some of my brothers out there. But the journal is basically um, a testimony of trauma that I've experienced and what it took to actually walk through that process. Typically, uh, I'm a I'm a go getter. Like I'm always moving, always grooving, finding something to have my hand in. So most of the time, even growing up, when trauma happened, I just got busy, and I didn't realize how that was going to have a major effect on me in my adult life. So with processing through my recent divorce, I literally had to sit in my shit. Like I literally had to process. Uh, what happened i had to look inward uh which is something that a lot of us don't do like even as a culture we're quick to point blame and sometimes blame is definitely um needed but a lot of times we have to ask ourselves what are we doing to create and to continue in the cycles that we're in and that was like the hardest pill for me to swallow uh just acknowledging my fault in my in my marriage failing uh i'm 37 and that was my second divorce so i'm really beating myself up like come on dog like you young you'd have been married and divorced twice so actually having to process through all of that opened up a new reality for me um it created a space of internal healing where i realized I needed to do some work within myself to be a better me before I could be better for anybody else. So with all that in mind, I wanted other people to experience that. And because the situation that happened, um, I was miles away. I had just relocated to Florida. So I was miles away from all of my family and friends in Kansas City. And I had nobody to walk through that with. So this journal was created for those times where you you're not in a place of vulnerability where you want to tell your business because let's keep it real even friends and family uh they can be a good listening ear and a running mouth so this journal was basically me allowing myself into your home in your space to create the space for you to process through trauma so um i don't know how holly wants to do it uh as much as i like to give myself kudos because this was a task for me. I want to also always acknowledge um, Rodney and Angela Marie Publishing for even allowing the space to be vulnerable with my words to create this project. The process of publishing this journal was seamless working with them. Uh, I'd known how the Holly from his trolling on social media, but actually getting to know him and princess on a deeper level when it comes to mental health when it comes to his passion for publishing and what he wants to do with the community i encourage anybody that's working on a written project of any sort to reach out to them um but again uh this is for men and women and i hope that my sisters and my brothers can come out and support if you can't be there in the flesh definitely order the book and uh make sure that you apply it to your life so that's my twenty thousand minutes of spiel but thanks for the platform yes ma'am yes ma'am thank you thank you so uh she she is doing a, uh the book release event on the 19th in kansas city uh, i think we posted the link in the chat um for you to get your free tickets reserved so uh make sure you come out and support 
And if you're not able to make it, like she said, uh, we do have uh, the link available for you to be able to order the book. So definitely, uh, Devin, I want to give you your flowers, give you your shout outs. Uh, anytime that I got a microphone, I'm, I'm going to continue to do that so that we can promote those book sales, of course. But I also want to give you your kudos and your flowers for, for, for taking that step and doing this. Um, it was a lot of work, um, you know, so I, I definitely commend you for, for, for being ready to, to jump in the trenches with us and, and get this project done. Uh, so definitely, man, appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to seeing uh, what it does for the community. Thank you, bro. For sure. Thank you, Princess. I ain't leaving you out either. That's right. That's right. She 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 she's the one that makes a lot of this happen. Uh, you know, in in a lot of different ways, and we we a good team, and we work well together. Uh, when we work well together, but I hope we heal. Uh, so definitely, um, much love to Princess. Much love to Devin, uh, Angela Marie Publishing. Much love to all of y'all, man. I appreciate everybody uh, tapping in with us. Uh, we will have another episode airing of the Blacked Out Couch podcast next Thursday. Uh, this will be featuring the sisters. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and put it out there um, because I'm super excited to see the feedback and the reaction to this. So the topic of their next episode is submissiveness. So so um, for, for, for any brothers, any sisters out there uh, that have an opinion or a point of view on the whole concept of submissiveness, submissiveness uh the sisters actually have an episode touching on that that'll be airing next thursday on our youtube spotify and all of the podcast streaming apps so i'm super excited hopefully everybody tunes in uh if y'all don't have anything else everybody enjoy the rest of their night and uh have a very safe weekend and uh we'll holler at y'all next time appreciate y'all for joining appreciate you appreciate you bye right on right on have a good evening, everybody. This was amazing. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Good evening.